Hi there, hello, this is Amy from BC in Britain's East and Southeast Asian Network, coming at you today for this episode of But Where Are You From? A podcast by us, BC. We are an organization, a network, a force of nature, you might say, and we are moved by a common purpose, and that is to shine a spotlight on East and Southeast Asians in the UK. I really loved our chat today with our guest Georgina Lung, along with my co-host Carly. Georgina is a British Chinese tattoo artist and illustrator. She grew up in Northern Ireland and she later went on to study at the Edinburgh College of Art and is now based in London. I have honestly always loved Georgie's work. I can't get enough of it. She does these beautiful illustrations. She sells prints as well as doing wonderful tattoo art. And I really want everything she does, basically. If I was a millionaire, I'd buy all her work and get a ton of tattoos. I have this simple tattoo on my back. I already have one. It's a circular design. It's abstract, kind of a lotus flower, but very simple. I got it around 10 years ago, I think. I was on a road trip in Portland, Oregon with my friend Melody. We were like driving around and Portland's quite known for this tattoo quarter, I guess. It's a sort of square mile full of tattoo parlors. And I remember thinking, oh, I should get something to commemorate my trip. So we chose one at random, walked in, and it was this incredible guy who specialized in sort of Japanese style art. And um, he sort of gave me his business card and had really wonderful work. Anyway, I thought, you're my man. So he did the tattoo for me, which I really love, um, albeit I have to admit I was slightly drunk. Uh, please don't do that. Uh, listen to me. Do not get a tattoo when you're a little bit inebriated. I mean, I don't regret it. Melody was with me. She was looking over me. I was fine. <laughs> and I wasn't like, you know, unable to function. I was OK. I think I just needed some Dutch courage, but you should never do that. Anyway, I got this quite simple tattoo design. I wouldn't mind it being slightly updated, maybe. Who knows, maybe a plate of Lo Bakgo or Cheng Fan. I wouldn't mind something like a bamboo basket, perhaps. That would be really cool, like a steaming bamboo basket on my back. Uh, anyway, I'm not sure if my mum would appreciate me revealing some fresh ink of uh, some dim sum on my back because she's a little traditional in her views about body art. But anyway, this might win her round because to be honest, Georgie's work is always a winner to me. It might just make my mum think, yeah, yeah, go for it. It might get her to get one herself, who knows? Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode where we discuss everything from TVB dramas to lube to uncles in Hong Kong to parental validation to the sense of belonging. So many topics. I hope you enjoy it. And please leave us a review if you can on your podcast player, wherever you listen to it. Please drop us five stars. We'd really appreciate it. Help us a lot. So thank you yet again and enjoy. Cool. Okay, let's get cracking. Let's we get cracking. <laughs> yeah. No, I honestly, I don't. I don't really know how podcasts work. Obviously, I went on Georgie's one, but at that point, we were just chatting. <laughs> yeah, I listened to that. I really loved it because one of the early yeah. ones, wasn't it? It was. It was like her second one or something like that. Oh, I can't remember. I know. Oh, gee, it wasn't even that long ago. It just yeah. feels like it's forever. Gosh, it always feels like everyone in this community. I feel like I've known you all such a long time, but actually, it's been a couple of years but I still feel like yeah man we've been through shit <laughs> yeah. it's like we're like oh god do you remember that time and it wasn't even that long ago it was like two years ago maximum yeah well that's the connection yeah strength for the relationship anyway I am going to jump in with a very mm-hmm. first question very important mm-hmm. question Georgie but uh could you let us know but where are you from where are you from? Um, I am from Northern Ireland. I um, grew up there. I was born there. And yeah, it was, uh, this was back in the 90s, 2000s. Um, so it was an incredibly interesting experience, childhood. And my parents, for those who are like, but no, but where are you from? My parents are from Hong Kong. Um, and they both came over in the 80s um as immigrants so that that is that is me in a nutshell Mm, and we have an english person a scottish person and a northern irish person on this we've covered all the grounds well welcome to the podcast georgie we're extremely excited to be chatting to you tonight we're doing an evening podcast for a change yeah i was gonna say yeah when you gave me the times i was like oh oh 
Well, I wanted to I wanted to follow on from that question and ask you a deep question because this Ooh. is something that I'm very interested in. Your practice has grown phenomenally in the past two years or so since you started your account. How mm-hmm. are you feeling at this very moment? I I think I think overwhelmed is <laughs> overwhelmed is always to be fair I'm so I am so grateful and I do think that I think it's just because my so my mum she has that very immigrant mentality where she's just very much like oh don't 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 get too comfortable don't get too like you know she's and she's always telling me that she's just like mm, yeah see Instagram yeah, no one's going to remember you after about another year. And I'm like, oh, thanks, mum. Forever the realist. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like, part of me is just like, it has grown phenomenally. But also, I think it just, my anger that I had towards, like, obviously, we might get into it. But anyway, for those who don't know, I had a lot of sort of resentment towards the industry that I was in. And that all kind of somewhat aligned. Like, I think all of that kind of frustration that I had that I wanted to put into my work it all aligned with like COVID and then Asian hate and it all kind of just bubbled up to the surface in that same year so I think not not saying that I was riding a trend but for sure like I think it all just happened at the same time because it was all very like um, I felt so much affinity with so many people at the time that I just really wanted to get it out um I do feel overwhelmed all the time but I think that's just generally I could literally be lying down and still feeling overwhelmed so like that's just me um but no incredibly grateful incredibly overwhelmed um and but yeah I think I'm just really happy to have met so many people through what I do and I think um, especially as you just mentioned your mum as well and how she looks at your work, what has been your parents' reaction to your creative output? Because I just mentioned briefly earlier that you had illustrated Angela's new book, um, yeah. Takeaway, and obviously you both come from a takeaway background. And, you know, have you told your mum about that? Did you say, oh, by the way, mum, not only is my work being published, but it's um, in the book about takeaways about where we came from and how has their general reaction been to that and also to your practice now? I think so. Another classic case. My parents don't ever congratulate me. <laughs> they never tell me. They're like, "Oh yeah, yeah." But my dad tries. I think he's trying now. Um, but yeah, no. I think so. Actually, during my graduation show, in when I was in university and I did um, jewelry and silversmithing, I actually based that grad show on takeaway already. So then after that, I almost like left, I put that to bed and I just tried to get a career out of something completely unrelated. And I almost just like forgot about it for like maybe eight years. Um, So it was very nice to just come back to it and kind of really embrace that side of me again, because I think I really needed it at the time. Um, But yeah, my parents, I actually didn't tell them. Hopefully they don't listen to this because even if they did, they probably wouldn't understand. It's fine. Um, But I I actually didn't tell them for quite some time when I first started my Instagram because I also wanted it to somewhat gain a bit of traction before they find out so that they couldn't just shoot it down so quickly. Um, But no, they're, they're now at this point where my mum maybe is more of a discerning critic, but my dad would actually message me and be like, oh, how many tattoos did you do today? Oh, do you want to send them over? He'll leave me like little voice notes being like, oh, like that one was so pretty. Oh, that dragon you did today, that was nice. Like, he, yeah, it, it melts my heart. He is trying. And I think that's like, the. I think that's definitely like, that's a new thing, the whole concept of them caring. But anyway, they both my parents follow me on Instagram. That is so cute. Just the fact that your dad asked you to send photos of the tattoos that you've done and he's keeping up to date. Would yeah. have you like tattooed them yet? Would you ever tattoo them? Oh is my it- god, that would be my dream. Yeah. If I could tattoo every single member of the family, even if it's like a grain of rice or something, do you know what I mean? Something really small. <laughs> if it was something tiny, I just want to be able to be like, haha, I've branded you. Haha. Um, no, I think I think my dad joked about it 
and my mum was always like oh maybe it will make you like more manly and I was like oh, oh okay I was like oh Jesus but um no I I would love to but I don't I don't think we're, we're quite there yet easy does it they only just find out like a year ago so <laughs> I mean if they joked about it you know that's already a, a thought that they've given themselves so it's not exactly so you you mentioned as well like what I what I didn't realize was that you mentioned when you were um studying in uni and you based your grad show on your takeaway um background um mm. yeah that's really fascinating for me because I actually had this question that I was going to ask you um that was about you know whether your heritage and upbringing has always been like a subject matter for you or whether there was a turning point in your creative practice when you shifted your focus but it seems like it's always been in the you know un undercurrent of all your work and it's only that you perhaps moved to more um commercial focuses that took you away from it and it's only now that it's a very natural return as you say um in line with obviously what was happening in the past two years with covid and and everything around that so it seems like mm -hmm. yeah this is something that you've always been drawn to then yeah I think definitely because um like obviously you go through like your teenage years and like you're a bit emo and all that stuff so like a lot of my work maybe when I was like 16 17 and still living at home was very like silly um <laughs> but then I think it wasn't until I obviously moved um from Northern Ireland to Edinburgh and I started feeling the sense of like being homesick I started missing just lots of little things that I you know you know you just grow up and, and and you become dependent independent and yeah I just started missing home and that whole sense of like being nostalgic and the concepts that come from like a sense of nostalgia I think that's always almost always been in my like my my creative focus um and then yeah the the going into the commercial route then kind of killed it a little bit for me and it wasn't until I felt like I wanted to comfort myself a little bit again that I started re-looking at the things that I really loved um, and, and all of that usually stems from home. Hmm. Yeah. I really find that concept of home really interesting because recently we've been talking in the BC group about, you know, traveling and say Carly wants to go live in Asia for a little bit. And I lived in Japan for a tiny bit, but obviously yeah. we come from the UK. And so that is a part of us, yet there is something that draws us to Asia. Mm -hmm. And I remember, although I'm not Japanese, um, living in Japan, I still felt a sense of home there. And um, yet I was also othered, you know, they mm. knew that I was from the UK. And when I started talking, they knew that um, I wasn't Japanese. But then similarly in the UK, although I know I grew up here, I still don't 100% feel like I belong here. So mm. what is home for you? Because you've mentioned that you've lived in so many places. Mm. But where is it that you feel like, you know, this is where I belong? Yeah, I think I think actually that's quite interesting because this is a topic that I've also like thought about a lot. Like um, I did my dissertation on it when I was in uni about like where home is, whether it's like your geographical location or kind of like what you surround yourself with. Um, it's funny that, yeah, like because you were saying about you going to Japan and still feeling othered. But then there's something so there's something quite comforting sometimes as well about being somewhat racially ambiguous in a way where you go somewhere completely new where nobody knows who you are and you're incredibly anonymous and you have no sort of cultural ties to the place that you're in that's actually sometimes quite interesting because you can make it a home um whilst home for me like if people ask me like how emotionally I, I am attached to Northern Ireland I'm not at all which is very sad because my family are there and I, I, I want to go see them all the time but I have if they didn't live there I wouldn't I wouldn't really necessarily feel any sort of cultural attachment um but then also contrary to that is Hong Kong and I never fit in there anyway like I would go there when I was a teenager and people would be like oh why are you wearing so much makeup or like why you know like all these little your mannerisms are different and um they would point it out like from an early onset and to be honest, most of the stuff that I do talk about, which is nostalgic, 
it's heavily romanticized anyway. I know that for a fact that if I go back to Hong Kong now anyway, I'll just feel completely different about it. I'm almost afraid a little bit to go back because I know that it would almost like kill that romanticized. It's like if you met someone that you really fancied mm-hmm. and then you never let that relationship blossom because you kind of just wanted to live, like live on that fantasy of never knowing. And that's better than actually like, like letting it manifest, which is, yeah, home... To be fair, I think I feel very at home in London. And I think that is because there is so much diversity here. Um, And also, yeah, everyone, you guys are here. Do you know what I mean? Like, it makes me feel like so much more comfort knowing that I've now, like, met and connected with so many, like, other Asian and, like, East and Southeast Asian people and creatives. Um... I keep saying to people, I'm like, where the hell were you guys when I was young? But then, like, <laughs> like <coughs> I do wonder what sort of person I would have been if, if I had known you guys when I was younger. Um, but no, I think I think I think home to me is actually London, and it's more where um, people that I really connect with are, um, and it's not necessarily like wherever that is, like country wise. Yeah. Yeah, I love that what you were talking about with regards to nostalgia and how there's a, a romanticism, you know, around that and how home can take on a very different meaning in that lens. And I think that's perhaps why nostalgia is such a, um attractive, uh, you know, feeling to play with in a lot of creative practices because of that romanticism, because of that fantasy. And so in a way, having that um, nostalgic home rooted in Hong Kong, I think that makes a lot of sense. At least it certainly does for me. And then Mm. I can totally understand why you feel that, of course, you make a place your home. So that's, yeah, I I think these definitions of home are so um, fluid and so, um, you know, they, they change depending on where you are in life, right? Yeah, they change exactly. Like when, when, you know, depending on like the the job you have or like you know what decade you are in your life as well like your 20s your 30s you know how open you are to like um discovering new things or whether like throwing yourself out there or you know how many friends you like honestly it's so fluid and actually so so when I lived in um I studied in Seoul for a bit and in South Korea and that was quite pivotal for me as well because it um when I was there I felt so comforted by the people there even though I didn't speak the language and even though I knew I was like far from both of my you know supposed homes it felt very homely to me but it was the way in which people were kind of treating me um and then at the same time as well um there was an artist there's an artist called Doho Su who is do you, do you know Doho Su? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Home Within Home was the exhibition. And it was on at the time when I was in Seoul. So I went to go and see that. And my sister came um, over to visit. And it was just so pivotal because it was about his sort of like questioning of home and whether it was between New York and Korea. And now I think he's in London, you know, and it's yeah it's this weird bridge point of like where all these places are and how they all kind of connect you in some way and yeah it was very it was very like apt and quite serendipitous at the time um because I think I felt entirely the same way um so yeah I think like concept of home is a strange one yeah, I suppose because we're all coming to terms with a sense of displacement because we are part of a diaspora community and as part of all of our histories, there's been travel for whatever reason. It might be forced migration, it might be economic migration, whatever reason. And then we're faced with this concept of, well, is belonging a place or is belonging a people? Because definitely within the past couple of years, and as you've mentioned, Georgie, meeting so many people, I definitely have thought oh yeah you know finally these are my people you know I love my friends obviously my friends from before this time but you know still there's 
capability of meeting people who still broaden my horizons you know who still open my eyes to things and so I've started to come to terms more with yeah belonging is actually the people you know because you guys get me you know and you mentioned going to Hong Kong and being scared I was like yeah I was really scared of talking Cantonese but I'm not scared of speaking in front of you guys because you know you understand why it's terrible <laughs> well we, we figure it out do you know what I mean you know that saying which is like <laughs> you know like people don't understand each other but like I think it's quite funny but sorry and for people who don't know that means like a chicken talking to a duck but anyway what it really means is that like yeah when 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 it's a conversation and people just don't have any idea what's going on but I quite like it because yeah when you're with your somewhat Chinese English friends English speaking friends it's, it's fun because it's like very Chinglish you just kind of whip out the old word and it's just it's it's a new sensation for me almost like meeting meeting these people and kind of hang out with them you don't realize what sort of like friendship group you were perhaps or sort of like emotions you were actually missing the whole time and you meet them and all of a sudden you're like this is like this is really refreshing like I get to say all these things and just come out with all these random like sayings but and and mannerisms as well that I adopted from you know from being Cantonese um that I can't use with my non-Asian friends like it's it's interesting maybe embrace Cantonese more as well. like it used to be you know growing up I was ashamed of saying it like my friends at school say oh say something in Chinese and they see it as a performative act you know and I didn't really properly embrace it but now I've really learned to love the beauty of Cantonese I think <laughs> I think <laughs> You're like that little bit at the end. Oh, there's the beauty of catches, I think. Um, <laughs> no, sometimes it's so bloody hard as well. Like, you know, when you say something really fast and then it just comes out a little bit like off, and then like in front of your other Cantonese speaking friends and they just look at you like, yeah, you said that completely wrong, but we're just not going to acknowledge that. Okay, yeah. we all know, we all do that sometimes, you know. And, oh, yeah. And actually, this is this is maybe a good question to throw this in. Speaking of Cantonese, did you have a favorite? TVB show growing up. For the benefit of our listeners, do we want to describe what TVB drama actually entails? How I think would you we should? <laughs> I think that, I guess TVB was is the I don't even know what it stands for. It was basically the broadcast channel of Hong Kong that did all these you know TV shows, dramas. Like it was like the only um, yeah TV, wasn't it? And I remember it was probably the only network um that and another one Asi uh, that there was like the two networks that were available in the UK I know there was also mm-hmm. like um a station in Canada as well um but it was basically the only access that we had to yeah. Hong Kong or Cantonese media right so I think they that um TVB was a huge influence to a lot of Chinese diaspora especially our age growing up because that was how we understood um you know our parents uh like where they came from and also like our own heritage and also a means of actually learning and hearing the language more yeah it was like a portal almost into like because you know I don't know I was very fortunate like because my parents wanted us to go back to Hong Kong to visit every year they like made damn sure to save every penny to do so but you know if you didn't go back to Hong Kong very frequent at all TVB was just like a way in which you could kind of stay up to date as well like culturally and like you know the, the programs that they were watching I really liked um oh what do you so, oh, what's it called it, so it had um it had Bosco you know what don't that and, <laughs> and, and Chahe in it and it was like two something about two brothers and dragon Oh, what's it called? No. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, one of those ones, because I basically love like period ones. So like oh, okay. some of my favorites. Having said that though, I also really rate um Chung Sao like the first All right. mm-hmm. um first season, the rest, no. Um and <laughs> oh actually there was one as well called like something to do with and it had oh no what am I talking about 
do I remember that one well I don't know see now I'm going off on tangents because they're all my favorite but um obviously Sayoke is Sayoke of course you have to but the the one with um the one with Donald Donnie Don 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 anyway yeah the the old school one yeah the the only one that matters the only one that matters not the one with the twins in it screw the twins anyway um (laughs) And then, oh, I really love like Fong Sayok and like Waisu Bo and stuff like that. So like very, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely more about the the Guzhang slash martial arts ones. Yeah, they're very classic choices. Okay, good. I'm glad. I didn't fail the test. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the last thing I think I watched like properly start to finish and actually was like mesmerized by was this one called Line Walker. Which was like oh, a, you know, it was like a police one, right? I haven't seen it, but I heard a lot of reviews about it, and I'm yet to watch it. That's the only one that I think I cared for, and then beyond, and that was like already like probably five years ago now, five six years ago now. Yeah, looking at it now, that was 2014. Yeah. <sighs> wow, a long time ago. <laughs> I lost my shit then. I was like, <laughs> I just feel so like, God, where does time go? uh but anyway yeah that's that was the last good one and then okay. beyond that it's like i think it's it's gone gone to pot really there was a real golden era wasn't there like a golden era of drama and then of um canto pop as well like it all yeah. Was yeah. really beautiful package that was so um aspirational i think and then it almost moves in ways like i feel like obviously k dramas are really coming to the fore and taking over and i certainly starting to watch them now and I don't know. Yeah, it still brings me a sense of connection as well. Even though I'm not obviously from South Korea, it still gives me a sense of, I don't know, understanding a certain culture too and connection as well. Mm, no, I think it's quite interesting because actually sometimes I watch these like Korean dramas or like Japanese TV and stuff like that with my partner, who FYI, everyone, he is Scottish. Um, hey! But he, hey. <laughs> um, but he actually finds the formatting of Asian TV quite hard to wrap his head around. He's like, oh, why do they edit things like that? Oh, I don't understand. And I, I, think, I think it's funny because, yeah, we don't notice it because we were used to, like, Asian TV, I think, and the way in which, like, things are, like, formatted. Because you know how, like, say, like, American TV, for example, is formatted a certain way. And when we know that that's quite specific. So like, I think Asian TV has a similar thing and I never noticed it because I was so used to it. But for my partner, he's like, this is weird. This is not how you tell a story. This is like really weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's quite good to see Korean dramas everywhere as well because they're good. They're good at telling a story. <laughs> they're good at gripping people. So addictive, honestly, so addictive. Yeah. Because we've, um, I finally finished Love and Leashes. Have you watched Love and Leashes, Georgie? It's not like Fifty Shades of Grey, but like, yeah, no, awesome. I haven't seen it yet. Is it, is it better? Is it, well, actually, it's not hard to be better than Fifty Shades of Grey, but is it good? I loved it. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. I want to watch it again, like, you know. I mean, the two leads, oh my gosh, they're, they're just stunning. Wow, maybe this is oh oh what time is it? Okay, that's my time. There's time after this podcast. You can watch it. That'll be your bedtime watch before uh, starting the week. I'll be like, I won't be able to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, there it did. Um, it did surprise me a few of the scenes actually how far they were willing to go in terms of. I'm going to use the word again, raunch level. <laughs> and there was more than kissing, I hope. Bloody <laughs> I, I will not spoil it for you. You just have oh. to. I'm excited. To be fair, I just look at like some of the Korean men and women on, on these dramas anyway. And I'm like, God, you guys are so hot. Like, oh, Carly, your bias was in BTS. <laughs> My bias. My bias. Hang on. Did, did I tell you? we met last week in person and I I don't know how we got onto the subject of BTS but we're talking about our bias and then I think Amy and I were talking about it separately and then I came up and I said you and I share the same bias yeah we do 
And it's always been V for me. <laughs> it's always been V. It's always been me too. me too. I've never strayed off the path. <laughs> no, never. Even when, even, yeah, no, never. I mean, don't get me wrong. I appreciate all the other boys. They have very different, different vibes. But V is just, he could look at me and I would actually just melt into a puddle. Like if I saw him on the corner of the street, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd like literally just fall and my ovaries would burst. Anyway. <laughs> I'm always flip-flopping, actually. I'm not very dedicated to one member. I like chop and change. Between who? Um, so my first ever bias was J-Hope. <laughs> oh, interesting. I know. I just, I think um, generally with K-pop bands, <laughs> my bias tends to always be the dancer. <laughs> so like in Blackpink I really like Lisa in Girls Generation I was like Hyoyoung and then this okay. one I just automatically like J-Hope um, but yeah I mean V I'm starting to warm up to him and then Jungkook I'm just like yeah why not I mean I'm just like whatever on the path to, like, Amy's on the path to like just naming all of the members she's like yeah but then you know but then there's Jungkook and he's like really she'll, she'll start <laughs> picking them based on like oh you know I really like I would go out with uh, him for like a day I would go out for him for going to like you know the park like you'll end up knowing them so well that you'll you'll have favorites for different activities that is true I think do fit into different activities for me as well like I'd walk the dog with V and then maybe go to an art gallery you know <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm getting so into it I literally know like everything about them it's really bad well, because they 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 didn't even have Instagrams until recently. I had no idea. And um, and they started an Instagram because they were suddenly allowed an Instagram, which is very sad. Um and yeah, I'm, I know I feel like I am on an emotional connection. All of them, all of the members, I follow them all. Good, good. I mean that's that's the only way you should engage as an army to be emotionally connected to with them, right? I mean, they're well, so good at that. Let's just be honest with the fact that they have honed the skill of mm. lighting the loins of so many people. <laughs> let's admit it. I mean, so good at that. Lighting up my loins. <laughs> I just say this to people. That is a good um, username, or that is a good like album name. Lighting the loins. Mm. Yeah. Mm. BTS hit us up if you want us to feature on your new album. Like the lines. <laughs> it's like you know that really awful like Coldplay. Um, oh, collaboration that they they did. I'm like, yeah, hit 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 BC now for like the loins. I feel like <laughs> yeah, forget yeah. Chris Martin. I mean, gosh, please. No. Yeah, I want to bring I want to bring the conversation just back to you, Georgie, because oh, well. Yeah. Whilst we were, you know, excitedly discussing, um, my loins were lit, <laughs> and <laughs> your loins were lit. <laughs> well, I noticed uh, that you're wearing a jade bangle on your left wrist, which is a very traditional and a rare sight amongst our generation. Mm-hmm. Now, are you able to share the story behind that? Oh, I wish there was. I wish there was like a better story, but honestly, it was. I was in Hong Kong, and I was eighteen, I think. And my granny was wearing one and she'd worn one for like decades. So I was like, I was like, granny, where'd you get that from? And she was like, oh, it's just, it's just from the market up the road. It's called, it, it basically for, I mean, I think our listeners probably wouldn't know where this is anyway. Um, but yeah, it's just a local market. My grandparents were from um, a place called Sangsoi in Hong Kong. And uh, so my mum was like, shall we go have a look? And I was like, yeah why not went down to the market found the guy the one and only man he was there with all of his jade bangles there were only like 30 pounds a pop it was great and my mom was like do you know what I'll treat you do you want one and I was like yeah go on she was like oh let me pick it for you and she started like you know like when they put it up to the the light to like see if it's like nice and she bite it yeah she bit it (laughs) a few so this is non-covid times um bit a few and put them back down and then yeah she picked me one we we paid for it and the guy just like had this like it wasn't vaseline but it was like some form of like lube basically <laughs> had, like, a full, like pump like a massive like tank of it and he was like right he was like lay low 
John May, oh May, which, <laughs> <laughs> which basically to our listeners means like the hot stuff, good looking, pretty girl. Are you ready for me? And I was like, <laughs> whilst he was pumping this, and he was like pumping this lube up, on his hands, smeared it around in his hands, and when he was like putting it on, so he like he grabbed my hand, and my mom was there, so it was very like surprised. But um, <laughs> he grabbed my hand, bent it around a little bit, and he was like, he was like putting it on. So for the poor people that can't see, I'm doing like a weird sort of gesture anyway <laughs> i'm gonna do this on instagram <laughs> he was like laying low layla <laughs> oh my gosh and then he just like shoved it right on and it actually it really hurt because it went over like a little bone but like yeah it was just the whole act, transaction of that whole interaction because he was like looking at me dead in the eyes as well like, no layla which means like pretty girl i'm coming <laughs> terrible anyway this, oh my this, god uncle i know uncle i was just like I, w- but I was really happy i was really tough so yeah it's been on since i i was 18 and for those who don't know i'm 31 so it's been on the whole time wow um, but yeah in terms of like heritage i really wish it was like my granny's that i inherited but actually i think she got a bit too like swole for hers and she had to like crack it off so she doesn't have one anymore um that's i do get a lot of compliments though from older ladies i must say like if i'm walking if i like but this was actually not in london because i think it's quite common it's a common sight now but like when i was in edinburgh and if i ever bumped into like some older cantonese speaking ladies they'd be like wow your jade is so pretty and i was like oh thanks um but yeah no that that is the that is the the tale of my jade <laughs> wow thanks for sharing that because i honestly haven't seen anyone who is under what 50 that has worn a jade bangle because it's for listeners if if um if you're not of a, a chinese background um it's very common for women um especially when they're married to wear a jade bangle um it's it's like I don't actually remember what it exactly signifies but it's you know something that you buy when you're of age and then you wear it for the rest of your life essentially and then very often people pass that down um to future generations but I remember when I was growing up and I used to ask my mum about hers and you know you would never see a woman an, an auntie who'd never had one and I remember asking my mum you know why she had hers where why wouldn't I get one or when would I come to get one and she told me that she actually didn't think I should get one because she felt it was very outdated and that you know mm. oh if, if it gets in the way once you have it for life you can't take it off so she always put me off but interestingly as well at the age of like 18 and 21 I went through these moments where I wanted to get a bangle to mark almost like a milestone birthday but I'm I'm yet to do it like I'm maybe 30 will be oh, let me take you to this guy hopefully he's not there <laughs> take me to this <laughs> uncle he'll like lift me up and put it on my <laughs> uncle he like you will you will love it it's a it's an experience and a half um but yes it is quite an old school thing actually but I think I think it's funny because I think my mum recognized that I really enjoyed the novelty of a lot of things so she she did entertain it from time to time where she was like right, okay you can do that because even though it's lame you can do that it's fine um I didn't know the whole thing about it being like a married thing like yeah I'm pretty married. sure it is like I'm pretty oh. sure it's to do with like if not married then it is to do with a woman coming of age and then you know it's you wear it and it's for life so you you wouldn't ever take it off and, and the bangle as you say like you had to really like you know lube up to put it on it's because it's just right and it doesn't ever come off yeah. and the only reason why you would take it off is um really after death you know yeah. or obviously an accident and you break it you know that's why it would come off I've asked our friend google what it's all about and I've got <laughs> here usually worn by older Chinese women who may or may not believe they provide positive energy and protection from evil spirits. They're highly prized in Chinese culture. Jade jewelry is commonly given by mothers to daughters. And oh. yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, my mum has one. And um, I remember one of my first memories was always playing with it 
are used mm. to like because it's so smooth and nice and such a satisfying material so I used to play with it a lot and I remember when she sort of work in the kitchen and hearing it banging on the <laughs> side because you know she's like chopping with her massive you know beaver and um, my sister Hannah has one as well and I'm really jealous because I really want one too shall we shall we all go to Hong Kong and lube up together <laughs> I feel like you guys need to get yourselves a jade mango. Honestly, it's so comfortable because it like warms to your body temperature anyway. And I've never had any issues with it because like x-rays or like, you know, going through security in um, the airport and stuff like that, you know, it's stone. So like nothing happens. Like people are pretty non about it. So it's really nice. It's very, I would, I would highly recommend. It's never gotten in the way of anything. Right. Well, we're planning our trip. So in, let's say it will be, ah, in fact, this is a good one. It will be for my 30th and it'll be your 40th, Amy. Then we'll go and we'll get our, our Jade Bangle. Georgie, you come along as well. Lube us up with uncle and we'll get ourselves a match. Yeah, we yeah. need you to buy all the bangles to make sure we get a good one. Okay, I will. I'll, okay. I'll come and buy them. Or if not, I'll bring my mum. <laughs> My mum is like cereal biter over here. Um, she, actually, my mom's terrible. Like I was telling some of my friends, I was like, yeah, my mum used to just go around M&S and tell me to sample all the grapes and cherries they were just sitting on. And I was just like, my mum is like one of those people. She's like, yeah, it's fine. Just try before you buy. Do you know what I mean? Your mum isn't the only one. I remember being taken around by my auntie and was like, oh try this one is that tasty if it's not we're not gonna buy that one <laughs> I was the taste tester I'd, I'd walk out of M&S as a kid with like like cherry stones like in my mouth <laughs> I'd be like mm-hmm, yeah <laughs> this is like kleptomaniac people yeah um, that's so funny like in Chinatown my mum used to you know they sell big crates of long an or you know whatever light cheese baby as well yeah. And um, my mum used to just grab one and in front of the people selling it, be like, oh, yeah, just eat one. And then she'd give me one as well. And then generally we'd just walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But related to food, actually, I think our final question is probably one of the most important questions, Georgie. It's one that's been raging between Carly and I for (laughs) the past couple of months, maybe. Okay, yeah, go for it. And that is when you're cooking and the recipe asks for a thumb size piece of ginger do you take that to mean I'm going to show you the entire length of the thumb from Mm -hmm. knuckle to tip Mm -hmm. or just the top part of your thumb from the the bendy bit to the actual thumbprint Mm -hmm. part the thumbprint Mm -hmm. part what is the thumb size it's a whole bloody thumb is it not yes Georgie yeah surely I've, I don't know I'm I'm you know like our parents like they eyeball everything there is no such thing as like weighing stuff out so like if it's like yeah it's a thumb eh. I, and you look you know the, like ginger grows in like little nubbins anyway so you just crack one of those off and you're like yeah I'll just use that bit but for me it's like more is better I think so like, is it the length or is it also the the diameter of the thumb oh Oh, yeah. I mean, most gingers like girthier than the thumb, no? <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like yeah, it's like the length and the and thumb and the girth of the thumb and the girth of the thumb, if not more. This I love that this is like a weird question. I thought it was going to be you know like the classic like noodles or rice kind of thing. They're like, no, ginger. Which bit of the thumb? <laughs> Well, okay. Well, you have the rice or noodles question as well. Oh no, rice hands down. Because without rice, you wouldn't have rice noodles. Just saying. Anyway. Okay, so this is now one, one, one. Amy is team noodles, and I'm team rice. Right. And then clearly, you could see that Amy was the whole thumb of the ginger, and I'm the the thumbprint thumb. Last question to find mm-hmm. out which camp you truly belong to. Yeah. With your aromatic duck and pancakes, do you? Mm-hmm. Do you spread the sauce or do you drizzle the sauce? Spread. Yes. You but you want you want when you wrap it, you want the sauce to like envelop the whole thing. Not just like a a piddly drizzle. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Molly just likes to scrimp on flavour, you know. Half spice ginger. 
drizzle the old sauce. Come on, not, I'll have you know, yeah. it's not a piddle of a drizzle. It's, it's, a, it's a very like, you know, um, like gourmet chefs and then they do this kind of like. Oh, what, you mean they put a dollop and then they smear it over with like, <laughs> with the spoon. That's Carly, just like a big dollop and then like a full smear across the top. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like Carly, you're like, you're, you're sailing on the front of, yeah, you're scrimping on flavour. Oh. <laughs> I feel attacked. I come onto your podcast, I insult you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this really nicely wraps up our chat for the hour. Um, I, you know, I do kind of want to ask one more thing because I'm just okay. a hardcore fan of your work. And I want to know, I want to know, will you expand beyond tattooing and illustrations what are your next steps will we get an exclusive on this podcast ah funny one that's very funny actually um it's funny that because I've been asked this question quite a lot now um well I was asked by um um Mabel Morgan who did the article for Refinery and it was quite interesting because I guess I um, I actually don't have massive plans because I think a huge part of what I do benefits from me enjoying it. Like my enjoyment factor of what I do and like the affection that I put towards what I do hugely impacts like I think how it's perceived. So in a way I don't really want to actually stress myself. And like I said to her as well that we live obviously in quite a capitalist like society where we're like incredibly, you know, more is more and earn more money and make more things and expand your business. But realistically, I don't actually know how happy that would make me either. Because I think tattooing, the, the way in which I'm doing tattooing, it's actually a very like intimate transaction anyway, where I, you know, I go from A to B and I sit there with my customers and we talk and that whole sort of interaction is so intimate that you can't quite make that faster better bigger you actually just need to like enjoy it um and and I think if I was in my 20s I would have been like no I want to get more you know I want to you know I was definitely a lot more motivated in that sense about expanding and being better but I think um now that I am a little bit more settled and a little bit older one I'm doing this for myself but I think also when I am tattooing I have to be incredibly present for my customers and the people that I do it for so I think if I'm burnt out or if I'm stressed or if I'm giving myself too much to do I can't really be that person and then that actually would in turn I think upset me um so unfortunately no exclusives I mean the only thing I can really say is that yeah I think I'll just I definitely love changing things up and I like trying things out so who's to say I mean I would love to you know make pottery and like paint on the pot like paint my designs on like pots and stuff and sell them I think it's just more expanding like my skill set um, and offering a wider variety of like things for people to enjoy because not everyone enjoys tattoos you know um but I think I think I'm also like don't don't hold don't don't quote me on that because uh it might never happen (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you know what I mean I think being a creative I think we are always thinking about like ways in which better what we do but at the cost of sometimes exhausting ourselves a little bit too quickly um so if anything I actually want longevity in this rather than achieving a lot too soon yeah so that's that's my so yeah no no nothing nothing it's not like a watch this space kind of thing it's a yeah hi (laughs) I love it though I love how you know in tune you are with yourself with where you're at um you know creatively mentally emotionally like I think that is often forgotten about especially for those who have a creative practice um where we do feel the pressure of having to capitalize on everything and, and anyth- anything that we make 
So I think that's that's a really lovely motivational note to end on. So thank you very much for reminding us that we need to prioritize ourselves in what we do. Yes, no, I I, I think for sure, because I think I think sometimes people sorry, I'm like dragging this out as well. But no, I think people ask me like, because, you know, obviously you said that it's kind of my my Instagram account or whatever my what I do has come on leaps and bounds and stuff. And a lot of people ask me, like, how did you do that? How did you fast track this or fast track that? Or how did you give me some tips and stuff? And in all honesty, like I wish I could, but um, it actually comes with the balance of trying to make myself happy at the same time as making other people happy because if I can't do that then I don't think my work would reflect it and it is so important to give yourself some time to like figure that shit out basically (laughs) I think we can all aspire to that I think I'm still trying to reach that stage as well like always feeling guilty about not producing enough but also realizing that if I'm not enjoying myself then I can't so yeah, sometimes if you're having a bad time and you try and paint something or draw something, it's just not going to work out anyway. And then you just get frustrated and then it builds like an anxiety towards doing it again. What's the point? You know, don't just give yourself some time off. And I, I bet you if I if my boyfriend heard this, he'd be like, <laughs> a bit rich, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, no, but thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's been really nice. And I'm, I'm sure we will all go and do a hot pot soon or something. <laughs> yes, Lenglo, hot pot. Lenglo, hot pot is going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to This is an 18, BC's first ever 18 plus rated podcast episode. I feel like it has been quite um, raunchy. I think, I think the talking about kissing made us all... <laughs> <laughs> it's a late night it's late night episode isn't it this is what happens when you do an evening podcast mm, thinking about bts thinking <laughs> about leashes thinking about uncles looming us up it's been anyway bye guys thank you so much have a good night bye Thanks for listening. This was But Where Are You From, a podcast by Be Seen, Britain's East and Southeast Asian network. We were joined today by Georgie Leung, who you can find on Instagram at chopstickandpoke, which is chop underscore stick underscore n underscore poke. And yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in. You can also find Be Seen on Instagram at b-e-s-e-a dot n and at Twitter at b-e-s-e-a underscore n. And please, if you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee or a bowl of noodles or a bowl of rice, you can also donate to us at coffee.com forward slash be seen. And if you also wouldn't mind, if you haven't already, do sign and also share our petition to get EC Heritage Month recognized nationally because who doesn't want to celebrate East and Southeast Asian heritage? Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time or maybe we'll listen or share or talk to you next time. Bye.